This episode has been brought to you in part by the Toronto Heschel School. You are invited to attend their open house on November 10th to discover what makes Heschel special. Visit torontoheschel.org for more details. That's Toronto, H-E-S-C-H-E-L dot org. patriotic song, Kachol Velavan in Hebrew, which means blue and white in English. And it's about the Israeli national flag, performed by the duo Reim back in the day. And we're playing it because this week, 73 years ago, on November the 12th, 1948, a law went into effect recognizing the Zionist flag as Israel's official national flag. The Israeli flag has evoked pride and a sense of belonging for Israelis and for most Jews who live in the diaspora outside of Israel. But in recent years, it's also become a lightning rod. It's been burned by Iranians and Palestinians and anti-Israel protesters around the world. And in Berlin just a few weeks ago, somebody ripped an Israeli flag out of the hands of a local German-Jewish sports fan at a soccer game featuring the visiting Israeli team Maccabi Haifa and tried to burn it. And there was unease this summer about whether Israel's new government should permit the annual Flag Day march in Jerusalem so soon after the ceasefire because it would be seen as a provocation. Although the march did go ahead, but video of anti-Arab chants by some of the marchers went viral on social media. So what would the designers of the Israeli flag make of all this controversy today? Did they know how powerful the symbol would become? And how did they choose the final design to symbolize the state of Israel? In the flag that was shown publicly on May 14, 1948, when David Ben-Gurion proclaimed Israel's existence. It's a source of pride for those who love the state of Israel, seeing the flag anywhere. There's a car dealership on Dufferin uh, in Toronto that flies the Israeli flag. It's a great source of pride. And, and that's the idea of that, that for all of us. When we see a Canadian flag, when we're traveling in another country, it's a source of pride. It's a source of connection. This flag does it. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Tuesday, November the 9th, 2021. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. <music> be sure there'll be an Israeli flag prominently displayed this month at Kristallnacht ceremonies, but also at the Jewish Remembrance Day ceremonies at synagogues and in cemeteries and in cenotaphs around the country. And maybe you take seeing it there for granted after all these years. But how the flag got to be the way it looks now, at age 73, wasn't smooth sailing. And actually, the flag wasn't the one that Theodore Herzl wanted. Coming up, you'll hear that and some other really cool things you didn't know about the Israeli flag from the CJN's own treasure trove historian, David Matlow. And to mark this anniversary, he has a gift to give out for the first 50 lucky listeners. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. I'm Paula Kerman in Edmonton, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. An Ottawa doctor is speaking out about living in fear for her life for her outspoken stand supporting vaccinations. We've had Dr. Neely Kaplan-Mirth on our show earlier in the spring when she held several Jabba-paloozas in her city to vaccinate as many people as possible against COVID. Now she's written to the Globe and Mail describing receiving death threats and anti-Jewish insults from an unknown 
group of opponents. But what scared her the most is somebody who has now complained to the Ontario College of Physicians and Surgeons about her. The complaint reads, quote, Complainant versus criminal, fraudulent, chart-violating Nazi slut, unquote. And then the person went on to threaten to kill her in retribution for immunizing people in Ottawa. She says health care workers like her feel demoralized after 20 months of taking care of other people, and she wants people to start taking care of health care workers now, too. And joining me now is David Matlow, the Toronto collector behind the CJN's Treasure Trove column. Hello and welcome back. Hello, Ellen. Thanks for having me back. Today's episode will be fun with flags, as you <laughs> may know from the Big Bang Theory. Let's start, first of all, with what is the design of the flag that is used since 1948 and what does it symbolize? What are the, all the parts that are on it? So everyone would be familiar with the Israeli flag, two blue stripes and the Star of David, Magen David in the middle. There are lots of stories about what the significance is of the flag. Some would say that the white is reflective of the priestly class and the date of the temple. The blue is the sky. Also the blue, the two blue stripes. So this is reflective of the two uh, stripes of the Talus. The Star of David was not a historically Jewish symbol, um, but it started to, only a couple hundred years ago to represent Judaism as a counterpoint to the cross. And that makes up our flag. How did we get to the flag that we have today? Where was the decision to start thinking about a flag? And obviously, because you're a Herzl expert, there's got to be Theodore Herzl and Zionism in here somewhere. One of the claims to the origin of the flag is the community of Nestiana, who claims that in 1885, they developed the first flag. It looks very similar, two blue stripes, a star of David, and the words Nestiana on the flag. Another origin story comes from the city of Boston, where in 1891, a rabbi, Jacob Baruch Askewith, was asked to design some decorations for the Bnei Zion Hall and designed a flag which had two blue stripes, a Star of David, and in the Star of David, the word Maccabee in Hebrew. And by 1897, at the first Zionist Congress, there was a flag that was flown or shown there, or at least described there. It wasn't shown until the second Congress in 1898, and that had the two blue stripes and the Star of David. Herzl himself, he had two separate ideas for the flag. In his book, uh, The Judenstadt, which was published in 1896, he says, I would suggest a white banner bearing seven golden stars. The white field symbolizes our pure new life, the seven stars, the seven golden hours of our working day. And that was one of Herzl's visions for the Jewish state, a seven hour working day. At the time, the average working day in Europe, Western Europe and in America was 10 or 11 hours. But Herzl wasn't satisfied with only one design for a flag. In 1899, he had a second idea for a flag. It is Herzl's idea of the center of the flag, which would be a Star of David, which would have seven little stars surrounding it, reflective of the seven hours of the workday, and the Lion of Judah, a lion in the middle. 
Um, eventually, when the state of Israel, let's fast forward, was founded, um, what was the thing? What was the thinking and the worry of the founders about what kind of flag they were going to have? So the concern was to take the Zionist flag, with every which everybody knew, and make that the flag of the state of Israel. The concern in Israel was that would give Jews outside the country um, problems because they'd be charged with dual loyalty. So a competition was initiated to come up with the alternative flag for the state of Israel. There were 164 different alternatives, but the rules of the competition were that the flag has to have two blue stripes and either one or seven stars in gold or some other color. So you can imagine the various combinations with the stripes to the left, to the right, upside down, triangles, the star in the top and the bottom. And after all this, the uh, Moshe Sh uh, Sharet said, you know what? Let's ask Jews in the diaspora what they think. Are they worried if the Israeli flag is the Zionist flag? And the unanimous view of Jewish leadership from outside of Israel said, that's our flag. That should be the flag of the state of Israel. Let's go with that one. That's beloved. It's known. It's inspiring. That should be the flag. And that's what happened. It was published in the official Gazette on November 12th. And with that publication, November 12th, 1948, that became the flag of Israel. So we're under these designs that didn't make the cut. Uh, incorporated into things that still exist in other parts of the Israeli symbolism today? The seven golden stars was symbolic and a connection to Herzl. And there are lots of things that maintain those seven stars. The Tzim uh, shipping line, its logo is seven uh, stars. If you go to the mall in Herzliya, it's the seven stars mall. You, whenever you see seven stars, it is a connection to Herzl's vision expressed in the Judenstadt all right. And so uh, we, we should talk now about the symbolism of this flag in modern times, because it is provocative in some circles. People have burned it. You know, uh, do you think that the um, uh, the founders had any idea of how the flag would be seen in modern times today? I don't think it's this particular flag, the flag with the blue stripes and the Magen David, that is the reason for this vitriol. It, is, it would be any flag of the state of Israel. When people are burning the flag, criticizing the flag, stomping on it, what they're, what they're saying is that the state of Israel doesn't have a right to exist because a sovereign state has a right to a flag and the flag is the symbol of the country. And so when people desecrate the flag, it is their desecration of the idea of a Jewish homeland it drives people crazy that the dream of Herzl for a Jewish homeland of security and creativity has come into existence. So this Israeli flag is celebrating a birthday. And what do you do when you go to a birthday party? Usually you give out loot bags. So uh, you're going to give out some, some gifts to our listeners. In 2010, the state of Israel issued a stamp to celebrate the flag. And I have 50 first day covers that I will give away to listeners of the daily podcast. This first day cover, so it's it's the first day of issuance of the stamp, has a quote from Herzl, which should resonate based on our discussion. 
With the flag, one may lead people anywhere, even to the promised land, which is exactly what happened. So for the first 50 people who connect with me through my website, HerzogCollection.com, you'll see that there's a link there to reach me. If you uh, connect with me through the website with your mailing address, I will mail this to the first 50 people who respond. Uh, we'll tell our listeners uh, there'll be some video and some photos as well that they can see, not just the audio. Uh, if you go to our website at uh, the cjn.ca and all our socials, David, thank you so, so much. My pleasure. That's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. And the episode is also brought to you in part by the Toronto Heschel School. Attend their open house on Wednesday, November 10th. Go to torontoheschel.org for more details. Today's listener shout-out goes to Harvey and Gilda Freeman of Toronto. Their daughter just showed them how to download the CJN Daily Podcast, and you'll be hearing her story coming up later this week. And we'll end today's episode with this clip from the recent ceremony at the Israeli Consulate in Toronto to award the Righteous Among the Nations designation from Yad Vashem to a Dutch couple who saved a Jewish boy during the Holocaust. Why hold the ceremony in Canada? Because that boy, Sami Depau, eventually moved to Israel. And his son, Zaki, has been researching the rescuers for years until he found the grandchildren living in Sarnia. Ladies and gentlemen, in May 1944, in the Netherlands, in the southern province of Limburg, the Snipas and their seven children could have been shot for opening their home to Shmuel Dipa, a 13-year-old Jewish boy. Yet, they cared for him like one of their own. What an extraordinary honor to stand here before you on behalf of the State of Israel for this momentous occasion, recognizing the late Jan and Elsie Snipa as righteous among the nations. Two individuals who at great risk to themselves saved the life of 13-year-old Shmuel Depois. They helped save an entire world. The Limud Toronto Festival takes place on Sunday, November 21st. Limud features educators, performers, authors, activists, and innovators from around the world. The Limud Festival of Jewish Learning celebrates creativity, diversity, inclusivity, and discussion. Everyone is welcome. All tickets to Limud are pay what you can. Learn more at limud.ca.